0: Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Jesus. Well, what an exciting time it's been, and worship this morning was once again amazing, and I'm so excited about that. I actually said something to one of our staff members this past week. You're gonna get it in a letter this week about some of the things that I've learned through this COVID virus Is one of which is the doors of the church, churches all across our city and our nation are locked, but the church is not closed. We have been activated in our communities, in our neighborhoods, and God is doing something spectacular. But the other comment I made though, worship is not under a roof right now or sitting in chairs. There is there's literally worship erupting everywhere in our city. It's park benches, it's picnic tables, it's living rooms, it's back decks. And so what an amazing concept that God uh, can still use this moment. And I, I love the passage in Genesis. It's talking about Joseph, but the enemy intended to bring harm and evil God turned around and made it a good thing. And I believe before the end of this, we're gonna see God turn this situation into a really amazing thing. If you're just joining us, we're in week eight of a series called From the Mount. We've been looking at the series, uh, the messages of Jesus uh, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. And what we are gonna do is we're actually in week eight. We have one more week in this segment and then we're gonna take a couple of weeks off. And then back in August, we're gonna do the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. So we're excited about everything that's gonna happen. And it's amazing to me because this message came out of something It was quite humorous, and I don't know if you've ever had it. I have a disease. I don't know if you know the disease, uh, but it's it's a pretty common disease. Lots of people have it. It's called chronic lyricrosis. It's when people do not know the lyrics of a song, but this moment wasn't me. It was somebody else. We were sitting uh, playing golf, and we had these little GPS modules. It's called the shark experience in our our carts, and uh, we can play all types of music, and I generally play 80s rock or 90s rock. And we both had two of the guy. the other guy I was, I was playing golf with had the same station. So we were literally listening to the same, exo- uh, same exact song. And the song by Queen, a lot of you know it, uh, We Will Rock You came on the radio. And I was singing, singing along, we will rock you, you know, that, that part right there. And there's a line in it says, kick your can all over the place. That's what it says, kick your can all over the place. And I hear from the other golf cart, kick your cat all over the place. And I thought, whoa, 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 let's put this on pause. That's not what the song says for starters. But what in your childhood makes you think or what in your childhood would lead you down the road that you wouldn't wanna kick somebody's cat? And it made me think about this. It made me think how many times in our lives we've misquoted something, we've misunderstood something, or we've looked at something or heard something and we've just kind of echoed over time. So I'm watching lots and lots of reruns because that's about all there is on TV. And so I, I was watching one particular show And there was a line in the show, which is a really, really, really common line. And all of a sudden I realized I've been saying it wrong. So I did some searching, just some research and started realizing there's lots of that. Now, how about this? Here's one misquoted. It's from the Wizard of Oz. We love the Wizard of Oz. We love Dorothy. We love all of that. But here's the misquote. Lots of people think it says, Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. And in fact, it says this, Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. That's a misquote. One of my favorite movies with Kevin Costner's Field of Dreams, where he is on this search to have Shoeless Joe Jackson come and play in his, you know, play in his yard in, in, in his field. And here's the quote, we've all said it. Church builders have said it, people, teachers have said it. You know, people that are building big buildings, they said, if you build it, they will come. That's not what he says though. He says, if you build it, he will come, meaning Shoeless Joe Jackson. Um, maybe you're a little bit older and you remember the Disney stuff. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. It was one of those classic moments where you know, she's looking in the mirror and we think she says, mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? And actually what she says is magic mirror on the wall, who is the fairest one of all? How about Apollo 13? You remember Apollo 13, the movie? And it was one of those quotes that says, Houston, we have a problem. In fact, that's not what was said. It's, ah, Houston, we've had a problem. Wow. And one of my favorites, you've seen it, Dirty Harry. If you've never seen Dirty Harry, the biggest gun in showbiz history. And a lot of people say and think that Clint Eastwood says, do you feel lucky, punk? But that's not what he says. He says, you've gotta ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? That's exactly what he says. And probably the most epic, the most overused, misquoted from all the movies in the course of history comes literally from the movie, Star Wars. And Luke, most people, Luke, I am Luke, I'm your father. That's not what he said. He says, no, I am your father. Well, maybe think about stuff in the Bible. You know, a lot of things in the Bible are misquoted or misunderstood. As a matter of fact, what we're gonna look at today is, but it's like this. Lots of people think that there's a phrase in the Bible that says, cleanliness is next to godliness. It's nowhere in the Bible. How many times have you heard this one? The, that, that, that money is the root of all evil. It comes directly from First Timothy chapter six. No, it does not. It actually says the love of money is the root of many evils that be, because the way we look at materialism and, and money, that's what it is. And so we look at the Bible and we see all these misquotes. And I'm here to tell you today, if you're watching us, we're about to read through probably the most misquoted, misunderstood group of, uh, of passages in the entire Bible. And it's right dab in the middle of this thing called Sermon on the Mount so I'm gonna turn to Matthew chapter five, verse 38. Let's just start, let's read this through. These are gonna be really familiar to a lot of us. There's lots of big phrases in here that we've heard before. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We, we quote that all the time, don't we, when we are trying to get back at somebody. And then it says in verse 39, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, what do you do? You turn, you give him the left cheek, right? Verse 40, and if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, which is an outer shirt or a shirt. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. And let them have your cloak as well, verse 41. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, you go two miles with them. Verse 42, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Then it goes on to say, you have, right? You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Remember who he's talking to. He's talking about the scribes and Pharisees. And he says, unless your righteousness surpasses them, unless you're a little bit more than them, listen, you're not gonna, there's judgment that's gonna happen. And he's talking about the difference between religion and relationship with a living God. So he says, but I say to you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you so that you may, wow, you wanna talk about a tough one. So that you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. For, watch this, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And he says this, and if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even, do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, wow. This is one of those statements. Therefore, therefore, you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. What he's talking about? What's going on here? He's literally telling them something that was going on back then that I believe is going on today. There's this amazing thing that's happening that's not, you know, it's it's not deleted by time. And it's this idea, when somebody does you wrong, it's the gist of it. When somebody does you wrong, when somebody takes advantage of you or bullies you or does something, Facebook messages, you know, put, 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 put messages on about how bad you are. We want to, just like back a couple thousand years ago, we want to get even. We wanna be vindicated. We wanna make sure people hear our side of the story. And Jesus is saying, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope, nope. That's not the way it works. And so what I'd like to do over the next couple minutes is I wanna take these passages that I think are misunderstood and misquoted. And I wanna give us an idea based on times and cultures and customs of what Jesus is really saying. And so here's the first thing, I need, we need to get this one. And it's a truth that all of us, every one of us, regardless if you've been a believer for an hour or you know, you, since you were 10 years old and you're in your 80s, we need to lean into this truth. You don't always, I don't always need to respond when people come against me when people have evil ideas about me, when people have evil things to say about me, I don't have to respond. I don't have to correct me. I don't have to, don't have to guard myself. I've had several situations over the last several years where people have said certain things and people are like, aren't you gonna defend yourself? And I remember my dad telling me something when I was little. He said, the person that talks the most, the person that says the most is generally wrong. He said, you're better off just keeping your mouth shut and letting the truth come out. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 39. We just read it. He said, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. It almost feels like Jesus is saying, it's okay somehow or another to have physical violence with people. And if, if people uh, have f- physical violence against you, that you're supposed to turn to, him. that's not what he's saying at all. As a matter of fact, what he's saying, according to the law, there was this moment in time. And I want you to think about this. He says, if somebody, right hand, right, right, right hand. If, 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 somebody, if somebody hits right cheek, so in order for that to happen, you have to be hit from the back of the hand. In, in the Jewish culture, being hit with the back of the hand on that side of the face was doubly insulting. It was, it was one of the lowest forms of insult that you can possibly have. And Jesus said, saying, if that happens, you let them come into the other one. Jesus' point is not saying, let people physically abuse you. That's not what he's saying. And you remember, he's talking to a culture 2,000 years ago. His point is refrain from trying, You know, when somebody has insults, from retaliation. Hmm, what a concept that is. Does, does that mean that we should become totally passive, completely passive, and let others walk on us? Well, the answer is absolutely no. There is no way. Listen, I read my Bible and when I read my Bible, I read about Jesus driving the money changers when they were in the the temple and they were using and misappropriating money and taking advantage of poor people. Social injustice was happening even thousands of years ago and Jesus flipped the tables over. I remember Paul demanded his rights to the Roman soldiers and the Roman government when 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 he was in Acts chapter 16, when the trial was taking place. He was not being passive. Jesus is not saying in this passage that we have to be passive. And when Jesus and Paul encouraged us to expose, even Ephesians says, have no fellowship with the rightful, uh, the, the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather uncover them, uncover them. That's not passive. In the context of Matthew chapter five, the word resist literally means don't retaliate. He's talking about revenge. Jesus isn't telling us to be weak and passive. He's telling us not to be vindictive. And this past week in my My emails have been blowing up. My Facebook messenger has been blowing up. We saw something that had been covered up since the middle of February when the young man that was murdered or was murdered down in Brunswick, Georgia. Now I know there's all kinds of sides to the story and I know all kinds of truths are coming out or half truths are coming out. And I'm sitting there thinking through this. To my eyes, it literally looks like an innocent person was gunned down out of the back of a truck. Yesterday, I had a conversation with one of my black pastor friends, and he asked me if I would attach my name to a letter that he's writing, and I was like, let me read the letter, and then I was like, absolutely, because you want to know the truth, and I know some of you may disagree with this. My, my black pastor friend agreed with me. It wasn't just the fact that it was an African-American young man that was murdered. It was the fact that a human being was murdered. That's wrong. We've got to stand up for that. Jesus doesn't want us to sit back. He doesn't, do do we just sit back and do? No, he wants us to be involved. Love your neighbor, the Bible says, as yourself. He wants us to be involved. He wants us to be socially um, interactive. Is it right that we want justice? Absolutely. Is it right that, that, that this situation should open our eyes and it should make us angry? Absolutely. But listen to me, but revenge and retaliation is not the answer. Think about a time where maybe that wrong took you down to a place that was dark. I can tell you this from personal experience, it never does any good to seek revenge or retaliation. It's never one time made me feel better. I've never sent that Facebook message or that email or that text message and it made me feel better. It's never been the conduit for a resolution of the problem. And the biggest one, it never takes away the hurt. You want a life lesson today? You want something deep? Here's a lesson I've learned. The longer that I hold on to the idea of retaliation, the more it hurts me. That, not that person, because that person probably doesn't even know it not that group, not that person that said something. I remember, and all we can really watch right now, and I'm gonna say this is all we can really watch is reruns. If you're watching this a couple years from now, you probably forget that we were in this virus that shut everything down. There's no movies being made. There's no TV shows being made. There's no live sports. And so I'm watching reruns of everything. I watched a rerun of Shuffleboard, but I was watching some on the golf channel and they were replaying all the masters a couple weeks ago. And I was reminded of 1997. It was the first time that Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods, a young African-American man won the Masters. And right after it was all said and done, Fuzzy Zoller, another golfer that was playing there, another Masters champion came out and said some huge racial, racial remarks. And he kept calling them boy and boy and boy. And then he finally said, well, as long as we don't have fried chicken and collards, insinuating that that's the only thing that African-Americans eat. Man, people went crazy. It was one of the darkest moments of master's history. And Tiger Woods, young man, this is what he said. Way more mature beyond his years. He said, We all make mistakes and it's time to move on. We all make mistakes and it's time to move on. Well, what if we took that advice into the areas of our lives? I love the way Proverbs 12:16 challenges us. The vexation of the fool. That means the stirring and the brewing and and, and that boiling point of anger. The vexation of the fool is known at once, means it comes out. It comes out on Facebook, it comes out on Twitter, it comes out in, 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 in tweet. it comes out in every area, in cryptic messages, it comes out, but the prudent ignores an insult. Wow. How about the way 1 Peter 3, 9 says it? It says, do not repay evil for evil or rivaling for rivaling, but on the contrary, Bless for those, for, for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. So, hey, we don't, we're not vindictive. We're not coming against that person. We're not, we're not doing the same exact thing that they're doing. As a matter of fact, what we're doing is we're praying and we're blessing and we're saying nice things about them. So that's the first thing I want us all to lean into. We, we, don't, we, we don't have to. We, we don't, we can be bigger. We don't, always need to respond. The second key thing I want us to lean into is do everything you can to make things right. When you're wrong or you're wronging somebody, do everything you you possibly can. Verse 40, I love this, it's really getting, verse 40 says this, and if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, so it's your shirt, a tunic is shirt, right? And let them have your cloak as well. The cloak was the outer garment. Okay, so let them have your cloak as well. Now, let me give you some background. If you were making an agreement with somebody in 2000 or some 2000 years ago, you would swear or that it would be collateral. I would give you my my shirt as collateral. Now, here's the deal. I could also give up the ante and I could give you my cloak. But because there was a a law, a Jewish law, by the end of the night, the cloak had to come back. They could still hold this over here because the cloak was also used as a garment or a blanket when people sleep. We we see that in Exodus chapter 22. Let's read this. Exodus chapter 22, it says, if if ever you take your neighbor's cloak in a pledge, you shall return... return it to him before the sun goes down. Verse 27. For that is the only covering and is the cloak for his body. In what else shall he sleep? And if he cries to me, I will hear it for I am compassionate. So he's saying, you can't do that. Now, now that's right. That's what he's So the only way a man could even keep your tunic is if you couldn't pay up. So if you, you didn't pay your debt, he could keep your tunic, but he has to give your cloak back. So let's make sure that today we read the words of Jesus correctly. Misunderstood, right? That's what we're talking about. Misunderstood, mis- misquoted. He's saying, if you have a debt, right? Remember, surpasses that of the scribes or the religious people, right? So, so here, I'm gonna take it. He said, I'm gonna, take it, I'm gonna take it a level deeper. If you have a debt that you have paid and you get sued as a result, do more than legally required. So you do more. So I'm gonna, give you my, I'm gonna give you my tunic and I'm gonna give you my cloak. In order to do this, you know what else you're doing? You're admitting that you're wrong. And I'm telling you, the majority of the people in the world will never admit that they're wrong. I remember growing up and some of you that are my age or maybe around that age, remember a show called Happy Days. And there was a character, Arthur Fonzarelli. And Fonzarelli could never admit he was wrong. And anytime that he was confronted about being wrong, He would stutter. He would go, I was. That's That's the way a lot of us are. And what Jesus is saying is when you admit you're wrong, admit you're wrong and you repay with more. Think through this for a second. Think through the people who may have something against you. Maybe it's a situation of money and maybe legally you got out of it. Maybe legally you you went bankrupt. And you have legally, you have legally, you have no, no, you don't have to do anything. I believe spiritually you do though. I believe Jesus is saying, we have to make things right and then some. Maybe you said something about somebody. Maybe, maybe you did something to somebody. Maybe, maybe, maybe it wasn't, you know, everybody's patting you on the back and high-fiving. I don't think Jesus is high-fiving you. Jesus is saying, get it right and then some. Maybe you took, and this happens a lot, right? In the world we live in, maybe you took credit for something at work. You know, maybe that somebody else did and you took credit. The boss said, hey, that was a great job, Jim. That was a great job, Bobby. And you said, yeah, well, thanks. You never pointed it back in the direction and maybe they know about it. We gotta, we gotta make that right and, and then some. Maybe, maybe you spread a rumor about somebody. Maybe you said something. On a social media outlet, or maybe drinking coffee, you didn't have all the facts. You only had one side of the story, and you didn't even think about asking the other side what their story was. You just made an assumption. We all know what happens when we make assumptions. God's word tells us you don't just, you don't, not just the shirt, but the cloak too. Not just the tunic, the cloak. You give, you do that and then some. And I'm gonna challenge you today. And this is like, working through this, I, there's been moments where I've like, okay, I gotta stop it. I gotta make, I, I got a text or a, I, I gotta tell somebody, I think I may have done something wrong. If you've wronged anyone, Jesus has challenged you to make full restitution and then some. Do more that's required to make things right. Okay, so that's the second thing. I want us to lean into that. And here's the third thing. And this is the toughest out of all of them. We need to learn to treat people with kindness. Whew. Even if they've mistreated you. Even if they've mistreated you. Verse 41 says this. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles, right? And this says this, and this is where we get it. This is what he's talking about. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who will borrow from you. Well, let me tell you what he's saying right here because we go, well, I'm gonna go the extra mile. Well, you don't even know what that means. What would, what would, Roman law would say a soldier was walking down a road. They would be going from one battle to another battle. And in order to conserve their energy, they would carry these huge bags. And at any moment, they could give that bag to anybody on the street. The requirement was that you had to carry. It. You could be in the middle of dinner with your family. You can be in the middle of taking care of somebody you can be working hard, whatever it was, you are required to carry that bag one mile. And Jesus is saying, when that person does something wrong to you, when something happens, you don't just go one mile, you go two miles. You you carry that burden, you carry that bag. There's no, hear me on this, there's no greater way to show God's love than to be kind to someone who hasn't treated you with kindness. I was reading about Patrick Green and it may be a name you recognize. Patrick Green is an activist, atheist that was at the root of a lot of the nativity scenes coming out of, off of courthouses and, and, and places, government places. And Green, uh, it was Henderson County, Texas. Green was coming against them. In the middle of coming against them, he was telling them, like, you gotta get these things down. He contracted a disease that was gonna make him blind. So he kind of backed up a little bit. Well, the town heard about his blindness and the town heard that they didn't have the money to take care of his bills. So people from that town started to rally. Now this guy was coming against him. This guy was coming against everything they stood for by putting the nativity scene up but they start rallying. They start sending money. This is what Green said. No Christian has ever acted this way in the entire time that me and my wife have been married. These are the first actual Christians we've ever met in our lives. He said about his view of Christianity after this had happened. He said, we, we don't expect this kind of treatment from most Christians because most Christians don't act this way. But because of the fact that Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, these people are acting like the real Christians, all of us or all of them should act like. Both my wife and I love them for that because they're actually putting their actions where their beliefs are. Eric Graham is a pastor in that city in Henderson County. He was one kind of spearheading this whole thing. And he said this, it goes back to what Jesus said in the Sermon of the Mount, what we're learning about today. If you do good to those who do good to you, what more is it to the rest? Of, what does that mean to the rest of the world? Nothing. But when the world sees that a Christian will do good to those who do evil toward them, it's a much greater witness. Hmm. Let, me you, let me give you a challenge today. Do it, do that. Do that right there. What happens to the, do that? What happens when, we, when we, we do good for those who are coming against us? What happens when we not just walk the one mile, but we walk the second mile? How about this? How about be the first real Christian that person sees? Not just one that goes to church, not one that dresses up like a Christian, not one that quotes the Bible like a Christian, not one that goes to a Bible study like a Christian, but acts like a Christian. Does the acts of Christ be the first one? Yours will be the message that speaks louder than anything else that anybody else will ever say. It's easy to do that with people that like you. It's easy to do that with your friends at work or your family. But God says, no, no, a little bit more. Even with people who you don't really like, carry the bag of forgiveness, give it out freely. Doesn't mean you keep putting yourself in a bad position. That means you forgive them, and that's it. Give them grace. I was reminded this past week of a story that surfaced around the Boston Marathon. You remember the Boston Marathon bombing, and there was a couple men terrorists set those bombs, and then they were confronted, and eventually they were killed. One of the terrorists had no family, had nobody could take the body. It was sitting in the morgue. No one wanted to bury the terrorist. A lady by the name of Mullen in Virginia was sitting in Starbucks. She was listening to the radio show about this horrific situation. And then she heard that the body was still in the morgue and they were doing nothing with the body. And this is what she said. She said, my first thought was Jesus said to love your enemies. And then she had an epiphany moment. She said, I thought somebody ought to do something. And then she said this, and I am somebody, I'm someone. I'm the one that should be doing something. When racial or social injustice happens, we are the somebodies. Mullen, a Christian, said she was motivated by her own faith she initiated to find the place she reached out to an islamic culture in virginia they took the body and they gave this body this person a proper burial people went crazy this is what she says i can't pretend it's not difficult to be reviled and maligned but at any time Anytime you can reach across the divide and work with people that are not like you, that's what God calls us to do. When the rest of the world is paralyzed in hatred, as followers of Christ, Jesus is calling us to demonstrate love and forgiveness. How are you doing in that area? I can guarantee you some of us are going, why? I don't understand. You haven't told me the why yet. Let me tell you why. Jesus is telling us to be generous to those who don't deserve it because that was us. We didn't deserve grace. We don't deserve grace. That's why we talk about the hero of heaven. That's why we talk about how important the gospel is. Verse 43 says this you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Verse 44, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then it says, so that you may be sons of your father. So we may be adopted, we may be We may be like our dad who is in heaven for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. I want you to drop down to verse 48 because this is really, really powerful. You therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect he didn't command us to be all-powerful it's not in our being we can't do that he didn't command us to be omniscient we can't do that that's one person that's God he didn't he didn't tell us I want you to be all-knowing we can't be all-knowing but here's another passage that we don't quite understand he's telling us to be perfect like our heavenly father is perfect the word is teleos and the word teleos literally means maturity, that we fulfill the purpose of which we were created. So when he says that, he's saying, "I to be perfect, to be teleos, like your father in heaven, Jesus came down from heaven and fulfilled his purpose, dying on a cross so we could have eternal life. See, one of the things I love about the Bible and the, and Jesus and all the stuff we talk about all the time, unlike other religious leaders, Jesus didn't just say, hey, this is what I want you to do. And he did something else. It's the only religion that the founder sacrifices his life where other religions ask the the followers to sacrifice their lives. But God gives us the example of this. In Romans chapter five, verse eight, he says, but God shows his love. Verse five, eight, but God shows his love for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In 1 John 4, 19, it says, we love first because he first loved us. Here's the challenge this week. I'm bound and determined. I am not gonna respond. When people come against me, I'm not gonna respond. I'm not gonna talk about it. It's not gonna be dinnertime chatter. It's not gonna make Facebook. It's not gonna be on Twitter. I am not gonna respond. I'm gonna be bigger than the situation. I'm gonna do everything in my power. How about you? Everything in your power to make it right. And I'm gonna extend kindness to people around me, even those, even those who have mistreated me. You hear me say this a lot, but you need to hear it today loud and clear. I need you to lean Into this, as we respond to what the Holy Spirit's doing today in our lives, we are never, ever, ever, ever more like our Father than when we love those who don't love us. When we don't respond, they'll have every reason to. When we try to make things right, we're never more like our Father. See, that's how you become perfect. That's how you become like your Heavenly Father. That's how you become Telios, fully mature. So think about that today. How are you doing in that area? What's your action directly following this message? What do you need to do directly following this? Some of us today are going to respond by literally making a move towards somebody. For a lot of us, that first move where we have to make things right is with the heavenly father. Maybe you've pushed back against him while he's been offering forgiveness the whole time. You've been pushing back. And today's the day you go, you know something, I'm leaning into that. I'm gonna lean into, I'm gonna lean into the savior today. That's the start of being more like our heavenly father. Let's pray together today. Jesus, right now in this moment, while there's so many circumstances, whether it's racial, social, economical, political, there's so many things that are polarizing, that are literally pushing us from one side to the other. revenge and retaliation seems to be common practice. And one po- thing's been popping up in my mind all week long. What if, what if, what if, what if your followers were different? And what if the world saw your follow- followers as different? What, what, what if instead of retaliation and revenge and being vindictive? What if we offer forgiveness and grace? (laughs) That's right. That's what you did with us. And that's what we should do with the world we live in. So Heavenly Father, let that sink in today. That I was far from you. I was your enemy. There was a time in my life when I was your enemy and you loved me anyway. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at journeycommunity.net.